It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week we focus on Iran and the prospects of a deal over the Iranian nuclear programme Joining me in the studio is our security correspondent, James Blitz, who's just back from Geneva, where he was covering the crucial negotiations between Iran, the US and other world powers. And joining us on the line from Tehran is our correspondent there, Najmeh Bojegmesh. So, James, these negotiations, how serious did they get? Well, they were certainly serious, there's no question. I've been going to pretty much all of the E3 plus 3, the six powers that negotiate with Iran, the US, UK, France, Germany, Russia, China, who negotiate with Iran over the nuclear program. I've been going to those negotiations since 2009, and these were by far and away the most important and the most detailed and the most serious, and there were all sorts of indications of that. First of all, the Western powers said they actually got into the hard detail of the nuclear program with Mohammad Javad Zarif, the foreign minister, and his deputy Aragchi, which is something that hasn't happened before. At the end of the discussions, kept those discussions secret. They've been held very tightly indeed. We don't know exactly what was discussed over a period of around seven or eight hours, and that's a sign that things are serious. And there were also other things as well. The, the negotiations were conducted in English completely for the first time because the foreign minister and his deputy are fluent. And that just means you double the amount of discussion you can have because you're not having to translate everything from Farsi back into English all the time. So there was a really good tone to the whole thing. And there's a strong sense that as they move forward to the next round of discussions, which is going to be in three weeks' time, again in Geneva on November the 7th and 8th, they're going to be getting on with more progress. So if there's a deal, do we yet have a sense of what the outlines of the deal could look like if it came off? We've got a bit of a sense. The most important thing that has happened is that the structure of the negotiations has changed from the way it used to be in the past. In the past discussions, what happened was that the US and its allies said to the Iranians, look, you give up a certain amount of your program, stop enriching this, close down that, and we will peel back sanctions to a certain extent. The trouble is that never really got anybody anywhere. First of all, the Iranians said, well, in return for these modest things we're doing, we want lots of economic sanctions repealed. And secondly, the Iranians said, well, where's this all going to end? We're taking these first steps, but we want to have a program of some sort at the end of this. Now, what happened in Geneva was that the whole process has been turned on its head as a result of a proposal by Zarif. And what is now happening is that at the outset, they're basically trying to get an agreement on what the so-called end state of the program will be. In other words, what is the Iranian nuclear program going to look like over the long, long term? What are they going to be allowed to do? And that takes you into what is actually the central problem in this whole thing, which is that the Iranians say that at the end of the process, they want to be allowed to retain the right to enrich uranium to a certain extent and under limited conditions. And that's very sensitive stuff for the Americans, because there's lots of people, the Israeli government, the Republicans in Congress, and others who are saying we just don't want to go there but that's a sign that they really are getting into the crux of the thing now which is 
What is the final status deal of this negotiation going to look like? And Najma, give us an idea of how all this is being covered in Tehran. Is there heavy media coverage? Is there excitement or scepticism? So far, I see no strong reaction against or for the Geneva talks, partly because it's been a long holiday in Iran due to the Eid al-Adha. But I would say, like, generally speaking, Iran's hardliners have not reacted strongly yet, despite the criticisms they have and from protests. They seem largely contained. Obviously, there are tensions, but I wouldn't say things are out of control, mainly because Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, has so far backed the negotiating team. But some members of Iran's parliament have already said that the implementation of the additional protocol by which the International Atomic Energy Agency will have an inspection mandate, and that inspection mandate will enhance, needed the parliament approval. They reminded the negotiating team that they could not decide on their own about such a sensitive issue. And we also see that from time to time, some parliamentarians say that sanction of further nuclear site is a red line or some other nuclear facilities. But the negotiating team has so far set only two red lines, as far as we can tell in Iran, which is enrichment on Iran's soil and refusal to ship out any enriched uranium stockpiles. What about this whole question of the plant at Fordow, which I know is one of the things that particularly concerns both the Israelis and the Americans because it's it's felt to be relatively invulnerable to attack. Is that going to be a key sticking point in negotiations? It's going to be one of the sticking points. As you know, Iran has a very complex program. It's got a main enrichment site at Natanz, where it is producing the bulk of low-enriched uranium for its so-called nuclear program. And then back in 2009, the US and allies announced that they had discovered the second site at Fordow, where they are producing uranium at a level which is much closer to weapons grade, which is what's particularly worrying people. And what's also worrying, especially the Israelis, is that that site at Fordow is very, very heavily protected indeed. It's under a mountain, so it's impossible to bomb if the Iranians were to develop their program to a certain level. Now, it's not absolutely certain that Fordow has got to be shut. What really will be important to the US and allies will be to what extent the program is constrained. And there are all sorts of things which are an absolute must. Iran has got to stop producing enriched uranium, which is close to weapons grade at the so-called 20% concentration. That has to happen. As Najmeh was suggesting, the current stockpile they've got has got to be converted to something which is not possible to use in a bomb. There would have to be some limits to future production that the Iranians would have to make. They'd have to say, look, we'll only produce a certain amount of low enriched uranium for our nuclear program. That's where when Najmeh is talking about the additional protocol of the IEA, that's important because that would allow the IEA, if Iran signs it, to inspect everything all the time that the Iranians are doing. So they'd have to sign up to that. And they would also have to make some really strong commitments on their heavy water reactor at Arak, because that allows them to have a separate way of developing a bomb through plutonium process. So there's lots of bits which are real red lines for the West. Fordow could be one of them. Arak definitely is. 20% enriched uranium definitely is. It's all complicated. But in the end, as I said earlier, the important thing is there has to be a broad agreement on what the shape of this thing is going to be in the long term. And Najma, I know that uh, talking to some people in the West who follow this closely, one of their concerns was that 
They believe that Iran wants a deal, very much wants sanctions lifted, but they were worried that when the Iranian delegation was confronted with the full extent of Western demands, they would be far greater than Iran would be prepared to give and, and would come as a shock to the Iranians. Do you get any sense of that, that Iran is already kind of a, taken aback by how much the West wants? I don't think so, because the Iranian negotiating team is very experienced and they know the Western demands very well. And they know this is going to be a very long process, a very difficult process. I don't think they even expect the core of sanctions to be lifted anytime soon. So my sense is that what Iran expects is, at least in the first stages, European sanction to be eased a bit rather than U.S. sanctions. So I don't think there is any unrealistic expectations on sanctions from Iran's side. So that's quite a hopeful sign, James. But the other concern is that President Obama may, in his eagerness to do a deal, promise or his team may promise more than he can deliver politically back home with Congress. Is, is that a danger? Yes, it is a danger. I think if you had to say what is the big problem with this whole process, it's, it's that there's a political will within the administration to do a deal. And there's a political will with Rouhani and Zarif to do a deal because they've got to get these sanctions lifted if they're going to reboost the Iranian economy. So they're OK about doing something. The trouble is that in the US, you've got Congress, you've got the Republicans. They really don't want to see significant concessions like a permanent right to enrichment. And there is a particular problem with Congress as well, which is that they are at the moment on on track to actually impose a new round of sanctions, which would virtually close off the Iranian uh, energy sector completely to the outside world. So that's a problem. And then on the Iranian side, as Najme says, you've got the hardliners. And at the end of it all, people around Hamanei, they want to come out of this with as much of the Iranian nuclear infrastructure intact as possible. So the real difficulty in this whole process, and the reason why things are being kept as secret as possible at the moment, is that the more that comes out about what's actually being discussed privately, the more there'll be an opportunity for all these noises off to get a great deal louder and derail the whole process. And Najma, what's your sense of how secure President Rouhani's position is as a negotiator politically back in Iran? Does he have the political backing back home? I would say that Mr. Rouhani has has a mandate now, and it's because he is supported strongly by Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. But I don't think he has an open-ended mandate. He has to deliver quite shortly, within the next six months or one year. If he doesn't deliver by then, his rival will definitely use that against him before the parliamentary election, which is going to be early 2015. But the competition for that election will start early next year. So that's why Mr. Rouhani and his team are in some kind of rush. It's not only because of the economic situation, which is, of course, worrying, and they have to do something about that, but also because of domestic politics. Mr. Rouhani knows if he fails to deliver something to the Supreme Leader, then he would lose the backing of the Supreme Leader, and then he would lose his mandate, which politically can be fatal to him. Okay, so James, final question then. Rouhani has to get something within a year. You say you've been following this a long time. Can you see it being cracked within the year? Yes, I think some kind of deal is going to be done by the summer of 2014. It has to be. One, because President Rouhani has got to produce 
new results for the Iranian economy. That has to happen. He's got to get sanctions alleviation if he is to start doing things like deflate the Iranian economy through the removal of subsidies, which is an important part of what he needs to do. And the West has to get a deal on the program because at the moment, the Iranian program, as we haven't discussed this yet, but it's still advancing. And by the summer of next year, a lot of experts think the Iranians will be at the point where they are on the threshold of nuclear weapons capability. So something has to happen. The key thing is that for the first time in a decade, the political ducks are aligned in a row and you've got the right people in the right jobs who've all got the political will for a deal. In other words, in the US, you've got Obama, you've got Kerry, both of which who would probably be prepared to allow Iran to have a permanent right to enrichment. And in Iran, you've got Rouhani and Zarif, who are both mandated to try and produce a result. And that's why the next nine months is critical. If it doesn't happen, then we really are on a, on a disastrous road. James Blitz in London, thank you very much indeed. And thanks also to Najma Bojegmesh in Tehran. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.